The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and southeastern New Mexico will continue to be America's main source for energy independence. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Today's show is sponsored by NOV. NOV delivers technology-driven solutions to empower the global energy industry. For more than 150 years, NOV has pioneered innovations that enable its customers to safely produce abundant energy while minimizing environmental impact. The energy industry depends on NOV's deep expertise and technology to continually improve oil field operations and assist in efforts to advance the energy transition towards a more sustainable future. NOV powers the industry that powers the world. Coming up later in the show, we have a big giveaway announcement from today's sponsor. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. It's so nice to share this time with all of you. I hope you've been doing pretty good. I know life is busy. As I've said before, there is a buzz in the basin, and I hope that you are doing well. I'm sitting here this afternoon in my office in Midland, Texas with Ken Goldsmith. Ken is the president and 100% owner of Mudsmith. Ken, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast, Krista. I also want to add friend of many years, so this is going to be fun. This Definitely. Is, this is fun. We've we've even sang together. We haven't podcasted together yet, but we've sang together before. Yeah. But been, we can talk about that in another story. Been too long. <laughs> it has been too long. First of all, I do want to thank everyone that is listening today, and I want to ask you, to help our show out by leaving a few nice comments on iTunes or wherever you are listening to today's podcast, I do want to say a huge thank you to Janie Snelson, who left this five-star review. She said, kudos to Krista Escamilla on featuring the Permian. Krista is such a warm and accomplished host. Thank you, Janie. And her interviews are thorough, friendly, and informative. My favorite thus far was Clint Walker and Aaron Marquez's interviews. Both men are dedicated to the people of the Permian and are powerhouses of heart, integrity, and amazing stories. Like Aaron said, dream big, goal big. Well, thank you so much, Janie. I really appreciate it. And you are a rock star yourself. We need to get you behind this microphone sometime, Janie, and share your story. Thanks again for everyone who has left us a nice five-star review. I cannot tell you thank you enough. All right, we are ready. Once again, Ken Goldsmith is here with us today, owner of Mudsmith. And introduce yourself to everyone listening today and tell us how you got into this oil and gas business. Okay. Well, uh, again, I'm Ken Goldsmith and Born and raised in West Texas for the most part. I was born 90 miles east of here in Snyder, also oilfield country. 1958, the year the hospital opened there. So I graduated high school in Snyder in 77, and I dropped out of junior college in 1980 to become a Bayroid mud engineer. Bayroid is now the drilling fluids division of Halliburton. Everybody's familiar with Halliburton. Yes. So I worked with Bayroid only a couple of years, and the guy that was my supervisor with Bayroid started an independent mud company. I went to work for him. He kind of neglected to tell me he was selling out to New Park, who's still in business. So I joined New Park in that sale, and I think in less than a year, in 1983, I started a independent drilling mud company. 
albeit undercapitalized in the terrible decade of the 1980s. And so from 83 to 89, every year was worse than the prior year. Everybody was saying, stay alive till 85, stay alive till 86. And <laughs> I've never so, heard that before, yeah. the stay alive to 85. Oh, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. We think it's been bad, uh, you know, a few times in this decade, but or the decade prior, I guess, mm-hmm. but it was really tough in the 80s. Yes. And I was much younger, so we've learned how to go through those ups and downs over the over the years. But in any case, left the industry for probably three years or so, only to be looking over my shoulder, knowing that the only thing I really knew was the drilling fluids industry. So I came back, consulted for Bayroid a while. I wound up taking a sales manager and staff engineer job with a company called Nova Mud, who's still in business in Hobbs, New Mexico, good company. And I uh, was with them from 93 to 99. September 1st, 1999, I got a second chance to start another mud company, and that was the founding date of Mudsmith Limited. September 1st of this year, we will begin our 23rd year in business. Fantastic. Congratulations. It has, I know, been a ride, and and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But first, what was it about mud that you fell in love with and you said, this is what I want to do the rest of my life? Well, that's an interesting question, Krista. From the time I was like five years old or as far back as I can remember, I was an agriculture guy and I really liked large animals like cattle and horses and, you know, livestock for the most part. I was in FFA, the Future Farmers of America. Some people call it vocational agriculture. And so my ambition from the time I was a little guy until you know, I graduated high school was to go to college to become a veterinarian. So I was a pre-vet medicine major in school, but I didn't really have the pedigree to get in vet school. I mean, you kind of had to have a family member who'd graduated from Texas A&M vet school. It would have been easier to get in med school. And I knew that. Plus, I was kind of a poor kid from the wrong side of the tracks in Snyder, Texas. And and so I was going to school on grants and what kind of money, little money I could make. The kind of work that I did was generally oil field work, uh, roughnecking, working with welders, roustabout crews, whatever in the oil and gas industry. I drove an acid pump truck for a while. But going to college as a pre-veterinary medicine major, I took quite a bit of math and science and that sort of thing and, and chemistry. And one of my summer jobs between semesters was I was back home at Snyder going to Western Texas College, uh, still trying to get some basics and stuff out of the way, the junior college over there. And I was driving a vacuum truck for a company called Fluid Transport, and we would haul kill mud for killing high-pressure injection wells at the Sackrock unit. It's now Kinder Morgan operates that unit. It used to be Chevron back in those days. And so I befriended some of the mud engineers out at Bayroyd, and they said, hey, man, you know, the oil field's booming, and you've got all this math and chemistry and plus oil field experience, roughnecking. You'd make a great mud engineer. So much to my mother's unhappiness, <laughs> I dropped out of junior college, came over to Odessa, interviewed one day, and the next day I was a Bayroid mud engineer. I love that story. You, so you just never know where life's going to take you, do you? No, you don't. Plus, it's fun to play with mud. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting science. Yeah. We have so many things to talk about from 2021, but I think the biggest thing is we've all learned a lot through 2020, now moving into 2021. What adjustments did you make business-wise or what is the biggest lesson you learned from the past year? 
Oh, the past year. Yes. Well, you know, we used to say, you know, us with gray hair and scars, we used to say, oh, we've been through these ups and downs before. But last year brought something new that none of us had ever experienced. I mean, I would have bet every dollar I ever could get my hands on that no oil company would ever pay someone to take their barrels of crude from them. Right. But so when we experienced history, we got to see oil go negative and oil companies actually, the unfortunate ones, some of them had to pay to get rid of their excess volume to those fortunate few people that had some storage space left. So that was a historical thing. We not only saw the, I guess it was the Russians and the Saudis decided to declare economic war on the U.S. shale oil drilling industry, and we become, I guess, almost casualties. I guess we survived it, but not without scars. So that was one thing that happened. But then who would have thought that we would have a global pandemic that would Mm -hmm. shut not only local economies, state economies, our country, and our world down? None of us could have ever predicted that. Mm -hmm. And so... We got to experience oil going below zero dollars per barrel, nearly $40 negative. We got to experience the pandemic. So many people were not very well established going into that, and a lot of people lost their business. A lot of people lost their job. A lot of lessons learned. I mean, I guess the main lesson is when you think you about have it all figured out, you should humble yourself because anything can happen. That's a good point. And you've seen the highs and the lows through the years. You mentioned the 80s. You mentioned, you know, just getting back things going again in the 90s. And then, of course, 20, was it 2015? We saw another downturn. Through those years, what has kept Mudsmith going? Because here you are celebrating, what, 23 years? Yes, we'll we'll begin our 23rd year September the 1st. Congratulations, because there's a lot of companies that didn't make it through, say, bust, you know, one or two, and here, here, here you are still going. What is it that that you think has helped the longevity of Mudsmith, besides the cute mud dog that is your logo? <laughs> that is, you know, we should be in the business of selling t-shirts because everybody <laughs> loves the mud dog. Yeah. They do. I think some people think the name of our company is Mud Dog. Maybe it should have been. <laughs> But, oh, gosh, I'll try to abbreviate the answer a little bit, but but just a little precursor to that. I was kind of studying what all had happened over the course of the 40-something years that I've been in the industry. And during this interesting 40-year snapshot, I have been able to experience the lowest oil has been in history and also the highest that oil has been in the history. So it's somewhat of an economic roller coaster. And so I think going into the business with your eyes wide open, realizing that it could be chicken or feathers, feast or famine, good times or bad times. For me, at least, I had to go into it with a certain amount of humility and kind of set all ego and arrogance aside and, and just realize that good times don't last forever. But hey, Bad times don't last forever either. That's a great point. I love that. And I think that's that's great to live by, no matter what industry you're in, but especially oil and gas, <laughs> because we do see the highs of highs and and the lows of lows. But they don't last either way. This this too shall pass. Right. And, and I think that's what got a lot of us through 2020. Oh, yeah. Was knowing this too shall pass. The pendulum will swing and everything kind of has its time. We didn't think the 80s was ever going to end. Right. So at least these 
ups and downs, the spikes upward and the spikes downward are, are kind of closer together. And I guess, you know, at this point, we can only imagine that it's going to get better. That's right. You got to be optimistic. You bet. Oil's at 63.13 today. That's good. That's good news. What do you think? Where do you see oil prices going? I know it's hard to predict. We all we all wish we could. But where do you see, you know, this going this year? Well, I guess I have enough gray hair to say I hope <laughs> that we don't see it go up rapidly to over $100 a barrel anytime soon. I'm sure that people that are making their living off of selling barrels of crude would like to see it just one more time. But that's the problem with this industry, or one of the challenges, I guess we'd say, with this industry is it seems to get too good and overcorrect on the upward side, and then it always overcorrects on the downward side. So I don't know. You know, there's so much movement towards green energy sources, mm -hmm. such as wind. Well, nuclear is not quite as in favor as it once was. Maybe it should become popular again. Solar. I've seen solar farms, you know, come into West Texas. They're biggest things I've ever thought I would ever see. But you can't make plastic out of wind energy. You can't make plastic unless you have petrochemicals. So I think that if it would get to 65 and on up into the 70s and 75s, then there would continue to be interest for investment into our industry. The problem is, is we lose a group of investors every time our industry cycles. People leave our industry saying we're never going to put another investment dollar back into the industry. So we kind of have to go round up a whole new crop of interested investors who'd like to be in the oil business. And the question is, how long is that going to take, you know, to bring new investment company or investment capital back into our industry, which can be put into drilling? And drilling always stimulates opportunities for service companies in our region. I know you love West Texas and the Permian Basin because you've been here a long time. And the 23 years I've been here, I, I know why I love it. What would you say to someone that's maybe never been here? We have listeners, luckily, all over the world. Thank you, listeners all over the world. What would you say to them about the Permian that makes it so special and why you love doing business here? Well, we used to say in the oil and gas industry, when college graduates would graduate with their degree in petroleum engineering or geology or whatever might fit into our industry, that, you know, they'd get out of college, they'd get married, and they'd have to drag their wives into the Permian Basin by the hair of their head. And then when they got transferred out of the Permian Basin, Midland, Odessa, well, they had to drag their wives out of the Permian Basin by the hair of their head. <laughs> And that's because West Texas is just unique in that its pace of life, albeit sometimes kind of fast in the oil and gas industry, it's it's slow compared to a lot of big major metropolitan areas. So it's a good pace of life. The people are second to none, I think, in the world. I mean, there's a certain humility out here and, and a kind of a salt of the earth folk that live in this region. The schools may not be the best in the world. We used to say we had exemplary schools. Our schools could be better, but they're not the worst in the world either. It's a good place to live, earn a living, and raise a family. Absolutely. I could not agree more. I've noticed, and I've been calling it the buzz in the basin. There's definitely been a buzz in the basin, right, over the past maybe three, four months. Are you seeing that in your business? 
Yeah, the buzz is kind of coming back. I mean, you know, there's there's kind of cautious optimism on the part of the people that are in the industry. I think everybody wants to find a reason to drill, a reason to work on some wells. You know, there's some things going on in politics right now about some stimulus money being available to plug and abandoned orphaned wells or, you know, wells that need to be plugged and, and abandoned. Don't know whether that's going to pass or not, but there's some things going on. You can find opportunity in the, in the region if you look for it. I wouldn't say the boom is on, but I think the trend is upward. That's good news to hear. That is good news. What about technology? I know technology changes from cycle to cycle. How will technology change maybe even mud engineering in this next cycle? Well, we used to say that drilling technology was kind of the slowest segment of our industry to change. I mean, it seems like all the big money was invested. You know, in our region, it used to take 10, 15, 20 days to drill a well, but the well would last 20 years or 30 years or longer. So where are you going to put your money? You're going to put your money in the production side of the industry. So drilling technology, I mean, we use 1930s and 1940s drilling technology up until, well, some some of it we're still using, but up until five or 10 years ago, and, and really in the last five or six years, all of a sudden drilling technology took off. A lot of our drilling rigs become obsolete and horizontal brought back to our region something that had been gone from the region for maybe 25 years. There wasn't any such thing as oil-based mud in the Permian Basin, but now it seems like Our trend is gravitated from water-based mud or water-based drilling fluids to oil-based drilling fluids, which is diesel oil mostly. So that's changed. Drill bit technology has really taken off. Bigger, more powerful pumps have revolutionized the industry, and we've been able to cut drilling time. That seems to be what we all, our goal is always to find a way to drill deeper, cheaper, and faster. And, And so... I think that there'll be more of that. Right. And that's always the goal, right? Save some money and save some time (laughs) as well. Of course, be safe at the same time. Absolutely. I know, Mudsmith, that safety is key to you and, and to your employees and to your team members. What is it that you think makes Mudsmith the best mud company in West Texas? Well, I probably want to take that a little bit of a different direction because the people or the companies who used to be my competitors are now my customers or my prospective customers. Wonderful. So one of the evolutions, maybe consequences of some of the downturns that we went through is we went through the downturn of 2015. We thought that was going to be one year. It turned into two years. So it was really the downturn of 2015 and 2016. And at that time, we decided that we were going to exit the full service drilling fluids industry or really kind of evolve into becoming a wholesale provider of chemicals and additives that are used in our industry rather than a retail competitor. And we got really good at handling bulk additives. We have rail service over in Snyder, and we got considerable amount of storage space. People that know much about dealing with the railroad kind of shy away from getting involved in rail because it takes long-term commitments and long-term contracts. If you're in a long-term contract and you go into a two-year downturn, you still have to pay your bill on those rail cars. So 
So we evolved into becoming a wholesale company. We certainly still have a little bit of competition in that, but less competition than we had in the retail side. So I think that what makes us a good or one of the best opportunities for being a wholesaler is that we're small enough that I still sign every check in the company. I'm still available to talk on the telephone. I'm the most responsive person in the Permian Basin. You send me a text <laughs> or call me on the phone, I'm going to answer. True. I'm, I'm gonna, I can tell you that's true. 24-7, you will answer. <laughs> I'm going to reply promptly. And I even have a responsiveness policy in my business where we all agree to be responsive. So that's, you know, I think we're, we're responsive and I guess we have a sensitivity to the needs of our customers to keep their cost under control through the ups and downs. Awesome. Fantastic. I'm sitting here today in Midland, Texas with Ken Goldsmith. He is the president and 100% owner of Mudsmith. And I've really enjoyed this. And we've been talking a lot about your your journey and, and what's going on in the oil and gas business. Now I want to get personal, Ken. I have some questions for you. Oh, boy. They're not too personal. But just things that can help us all out. And I think the first one, I'm interested to hear what you say, because I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm not sure. What is your most used business tool that has helped you be successful for over 40 years, but 23 years at Mudsmith? Ah, most used business tool. I think probably persistence, not giving up. You have to stay around long enough to reap the harvest. I think vision and desire is probably my most valuable asset. You know, you some things can't be taught. They, they have to be caught. And so you can go to college and get an academic education, but only when you get a job or go in business do you begin to get a vocational ed- education hands-on. And, you know, some people are motivated by different things, but you have to have a, a real strong desire to be willing to, to kind of endure the ups and downs that are coming with this industry. I had a feeling you were going to say never give up. And then I thought you were going to say that phone being open all the time, too. That's <laughs> that, true. That phone, the communication, being able to, to reach your customers and them reach you. Well, there's lots of tools. And yes. Those, yes. Well, awesome. The next question is, do you have a favorite book that maybe has really helped you or, you know, inspired you through the years? You know, I'm probably not the most avid reader, but I've read quite a few books in, in my life. And obviously, my First and foremost, moral compass is found in the wisdom of the Bible. But second only to the Bible, a little bit more secular book that probably affected me more in my life has been The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Yes. And uh, he did a great job of kind of secularizing what I believe to be Christian principles, but he called them true north principles. And I just can't abandon the truths that are so simply found in the seven habits. It's a great book. Absolutely. What about a quote? Do you have a favorite quote to live by? Well, I got a lot of Kenisms. <laughs> yes. Share some Kenisms with us. But, you know, I think mine gets simpler. I mean, there, there's a lot of Kenisms, but probably the most recent one and the easiest one to remember, and I might get Al to make me some caps on this is... <laughs> we can do it here at Rig ID. <laughs> uh, you know, when when President Trump was kind of promoting his Make America Great Again slogan, 
Well, I simplified that and I, I said three words, make it better. And I feel like that if we wake up every day and say, how can I make it better mm-hmm. for myself, my family, the community, my coworkers, our country, if you just focus on making it better in some way, be it small, be it big, then, you know, the world's going to be a better place. More people need to figure out how to make it better. I wasn't too crazy about our current president picking Build Back Better because that's kind of close to mine, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, I'll, it's help, close. <laughs> I'll help him build it back better if he wants some help. So. Sounds good. What about your employees? What favorite Kenism do you think they would say? I don't know. One of my employees gave me a plaque one time that had an inscription on there that I borrowed from Dr. Robert Schuler, and he's actually one of my what used to be my competitors. Mm-hmm. Maybe, they, or maybe they're a potential customer now, but he gave me one that said, I'd rather attempt to do something great and fail than attempt to do nothing and succeed. Yes. And that was uh, credited to Dr. Robert Schuler, who used to have the Crystal Cathedral and the Hour of Power out in California. You're a California yes. girl, right? I, yes, I do. I remember him well. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. Well, I know there's many other Kenisms, and, and I love that you brought that up because I remember years ago hearing some of them, and I thought, I love that. And synergy. You always talked about synergy, which That's I right. love as well, because I think you do have to synergize. Absolutely. And, yeah. One plus one can equal 10 or a thousand, but you can't multiply one times one and get anything but one. But when you get two involved, well, great things can happen. Absolutely. Gosh, the time went fast. I told you this was going to go by fast. (laughs) We're almost out of time, but I have so many more questions. Okay. Really quick, before we wrap things up, how did the mud dog come to be? Because the mud dog is so cool. You know, in the 80s, I had a company called Gel Tech and, and I wanted a technical logo. And I I had a lady in Snyder, Texas, draw me up a set of mud scales. Well, only people that are in the mud industry knew what mud scales were. So that logo was interesting. By the way, I gave that logo to Nova Mud. They still use it, I think. But in any case, when I got a second chance to start the business, I wanted something a little bit more fun and something a little bit more memorable. So I went to a local person that you all probably know, Daryl Dunton at Admark Southwest. And I said, Daryl, I want you to draw me kind of a half man, half dog. I mean, people can't always remember my name in the oil field. And so they'll call me mud man, mud dog, whatever. We Mm -hmm. had the the Midland High Bulldogs. We had the rock hounds. I said, I don't want it to look like the rock hounds. I don't want it to look like the bulldogs, but draw me a mud dog. (laughs) And so after about the second draft, the mud dog was originated. And I give Daryl Dutton credit for doing a great job of doing the artwork on that. He really did. It it is great. If you had one piece of advice to give to someone that is just now getting in the oil and gas industry or is maybe going down a similar journey as you, what would that piece of advice be? Save some money. Uh, (laughs) It's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) Save for a rainy day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, don't get too wrapped up in how good you're doing. I mean, one thing that the Permian Basin can and will do to you is this is a mecca of independent oil companies and independent service companies. And the oil and gas operators will absolutely give a new company some new business. And so don't let that go to your head too quickly because they're doing that because they're trying to stimulate competitiveness in the region. So someday they'll be giving your competitor 
the new startup some some new business as well. So I think remain humble and just know that nothing lasts forever. You know, you're going to be told, oh, well, those ups and downs, that was history, but it's going to be different in the future. Those people are absolutely wrong. So take your advice from someone who's been around here for 40 years or longer and remain humble, save some money, and get ready for the next downturn. When God created the heavens and the earth, he said evening passed and morning came. So, you know, it will become evening, but -hmm. then it will become morning. Good advice. Ken, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you thought, oh, coming into this podcast, you hoped I asked or you wanted to get out about your story or Mudsmith and that we haven't touched on? Oh, besides that you're a great singer. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I tell everybody if the, if it wasn't for Mud, there wouldn't be any music for Ken. So uh, kind of my <laughs> midlife crisis was to go to Nashville and make some records and build a recording studio in the Permian Basin. And we actually closed it down during the COVID as well. Haven't opened it back up yet. Hopefully we'll be able to do that. But definitely no, it, you should. It's a great studio. It's it really been is. good and and I'll look for an excuse to having a jam night or a karaoke or open mic night and we can sing a duet together again. That sounds good. That sounds great. What's your favorite song to sing? Oh wow. You know, there's so many. But I loved Marty Robbins and he wrote all the songs about West Texas and El Paso City is one that I really like to sing. So Fantastic. Well, I look forward to hearing you sing that someday. Ken, I really appreciate you sharing this time with us. And of course, your story. I think everything you had to say was just inspirational and great. And I really have enjoyed this time together. And I know our listeners did too. And if they wanted to reach out to you, how can they do that? Well, mudsmith.com is pretty easy to remember. Mm-hmm. So just mudsmith.com, that's probably the best way. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Or Google, the old-fashioned way right now. Yeah. It used to be the Yellow Pages. Just, now yeah. it's Google. <laughs> yeah, my last name is Goldsmith, and the company name is Mudsmith. So call me, and I will respond. Yes, you will. Ken, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I really enjoyed hearing your story and all of your Kenisms and just the time together. So thank you again. Thank you again, Krista, for having me. Well, it's time now to announce this week's community MVP, and our MVP is... Everyone who participated in the 8th Annual Bustin' for Badges this month at Windwalker Farms. Now, Bustin' for Badges is a nonprofit annual sporting clay tournament benefiting the Midland, Ector County Sheriff's Departments and the Midland, Odessa Police Departments. So many wonderful friends from the oil field come out year after year after year to support this wonderful event. And I just want to thank all of you who attended and, of course, our local law enforcement for keeping us all safe. We appreciate you. And that's this week's Community MVP. Well, if you're like me and you can't get enough information about the energy industry and you're looking to keep up to date with the latest technology and energy, each week Michael Gaines interviews an expert and gives viewers the opportunity to have their questions answered. They've covered everything from robotics to fiberglass systems. You name it, they've talked about it. And you can find that show every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time on NOV's Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube. You can also find them at NOV.com slash live. And of course, a special thank you to our sponsor, NOV. NOV powers the industry that powers the world. To stay up to date with the latest on what they're up to in the Permian and beyond, you can follow NOV on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They are at NOV Global or on LinkedIn at NOV. Also be on the lookout for their upcoming podcast, Inside Out with Asad Mohana, coming soon to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
And of course, I told you earlier, we have a giveaway. It's now time to announce the giveaway. I love giveaways. You can win a combination briefcase backpack convertible bag that will take you from the field to the office by entering weekly at nov.com slash Permian. Well, that's it for today. Again, a special thank you to Ken Goldsmith for spending this hour with us and just having so much fun learning and growing and and sharing what has worked in this oil and gas industry. We really appreciate his time. And of course, all of you, our listeners, thank you so much. Please pass this podcast on. We would love to have all your friends join us each week. And that concludes this episode of Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. Just remember my life mottos, dream big, believe in yourself, and never give up. You make it a great day. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for March 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events, our OGGN Here and Now live event on March 4th at Churrasco's in the Memorial area of Houston, Texas, and the Texas Wildcatters Open at Black Horse Golf Club in Cypress, Texas. Next up, we have our three online events, Sarah Week from March 1st to 5th, Transformathon from March 1st to 7th, and the TAMU SBE Career Enhancement event on March 26th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for March. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.